0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Hyman. Coming to you live on Thursday, March 16th, 2023. A special late night March Madness edition of The Pod. Been a busy week, uh, both professionally and at the baseball field. Bruins have had a big week. Uh, We took one on the chin tonight, the 5A Power Carolina Forest. But it's always a good thing to get out and kind of see where you're at um, and play some really good teams from across across the state. So awesome to get out there and play, uh, Coach Thane Man. I don't know if it's Manis or Manis. I'm pretty sure it's Manis. Coach Thane Manis, his team. Um, I actually played against Coach Thane when I was at South Lawrence. He was at Richmond Northeast at the time, was the head coach there, and you know made it through the the coaching carousel all the way to Carolina Forest where he's just done a tremendous job over there. One thing I'll tell you about their program, I want to give them a couple shout-outs for weaving it going tonight because people like Coach manis they represent everything good about high school baseball. And, and his guys, honestly, you know, I'm disappointed we lost to them tonight. But if you're going to lose to anybody, that's the type of team you want to lose to because at the end of their game, so they played us and then they followed up with uh, a game against – Dutch Fort, so two five A powers just slugging it out on our field, neutral site game for them. And uh, kudos to both teams. Before they left, they walked over to uh, me, Coach Gray, Coach Allison, all the coaches that were left, and they asked for rakes. Hey guys, let's get some rakes so we can uh, we can rake your field, rake your mound, rake your plate. And I just think about and and this is no knock to the teams that we play, um, but. I just thought it was a lot of class um, that a bunch of 16- to 18-year-olds who were playing at a neutral site would take the time. Somebody won that game and somebody lost that game, and both teams came and found us and were like, hey, let us help you get your field right, get your field back straight. Uh, So I just thought that was, again, speaks volumes of the type of program that Coach Stain runs, and Coach Waits run over at uh, Dutch Fork. Those two guys are top notch, and it was was a pleasure watching their guys compete tonight. It was a pleasure competing against Carolina Forest as well. Um, I'll tell you another thing, and I'm a base running enthusiast, okay? And I told Coach Thane this after the game. It's awesome watching those guys run the bases. I mean, they come at you from every angle all game long. Uh, Double steals, stealing third, hustle doubles, Uh, they play a lot of small ball. They create a lot of chaos, and you can never relax with them. In fact, they had the inning tonight that really put it away for them, I felt like was driven by their base running. Uh, They manufacture a lot of runs uh, because they understand the high school game. They understand how vital and important it is uh, to be good at base running. It just teams don't work on it enough, but the ones that do, uh, they probably score 40 Fifty extra runs a year just from generating their own offense. So, kudos to them. Um, both teams played the game hard. It was a pleasure hosting them tonight and getting to watch those dudes slug it out. Five uh, A baseball is a lot. of – I mean, listen, I love four A baseball, but five A baseball is a lot of fun because about every five A team's got twenty dudes in the dugout. It's got a college baseball atmosphere to it. Uh, a lot of camaraderie. A lot of noise. Uh, it's a great experience. Especially if you're like down at the beach or like in the Midlands. You know, if you're up in Columbia, go watch two five eight teams slug it out on a Friday night. Uh, a lot of fun. I know, you know, we were I think Carolina Forest ended up winning that game five to one and they beat us five to one in the first game as well. But um yeah, game was a lot closer than that for the majority of the night, but just felt like playoff baseball, right, in the middle of March. So Kudos to those guys. Uh, pleasure having both y'all at the Bruins Den. Welcome back anytime. So that's that. Uh, again, we took one on the chin tonight. Uh, sophomore Braden Robinson got the start on the mound, pitched well for us. I think he went five innings, gave up three hits, four hits. Um, you know, made a couple snafus defensively that really kind of extended the lead for them. And then. You know, we probably came out a little on our heels to begin with. Just got popped in the mouth in the first inning and took us a while to recover. But loved the fight down the stretch, the way we tried to chip away and and put ourselves in a good position to win uh, or at least make a comeback. And we fell a little short, but um, it was a great test for us as we go into the big uh, second game of our region series with Hartsville tomorrow night at the Bruins Den. First pitch scheduled for 530. If you don't have anything going on, get out there. We're going to... Tulsa uh, all wigs up on the mound. Uh, and I'm assuming we're going to see Hartsville's number one and two. So, John Alexander and Cole Winburn, we did not see them on Tuesday. So, I'm assuming we're going to get that. And, as always, you can, you're can you guaranteed uh, that the Hartsville-South Lawrence game is going to be one to watch. So, if you don't have anything going on, 530, get out to the Bruins den. Love to have you. These dudes are dying for a lot of sport, man. They're leaving it all out there. They play the game hard. Uh, the more sport, the better. Um, you know, they represent everything good about high school baseball. So, if you haven't been out to see us yet, come check us out. So, the uh, Tuesday night was a big night for us. You know, obviously won the region opener against Hartsville, 6-0. Palmer went out there, struck out, 17, gave up two hits. We banged out ten hits. It was a phenomenal night. Um, Hartsville, as usual, well-prepared. Uh, they threw a little kink in the kink in the hose to come to start the game. They threw a young guy out there in, in game one, last name's Lloyd. I remember watching him pitch on JV's. I think he's got a really bright future. So um they're young. They're younger than what I had anticipated, but they're uh a the team's gonna be really good down the line. And and they're good now, but they're gonna be future looks good for, for Coach Ganey and, and company over there. So it'd be interesting to see how they continue to progress those guys. But um yeah. That was our week on varsity. You know, again, close the series down tomorrow night. Looking for a sweep. Be a good thing. I know they're going to bring their A game, so it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, JVs closed their West Florence series this week with a sweep last night and the doubleheader over at uh, West Florence's field. So that was good. Um, Love the way those guys competed. They, uh, they fought hard and found a way to win in the last inning. Well, sorry, in extra innings in the first game and then, really put a show on in the second game. So, great job to our JV guys for answering the bell and stepping up and doing doing the job. So, real proud of them and, and the progress that they made this week. So, just keep raising the bar, baby. It's all we can do. Prepping, you know, those JV guys, we tell them all the time, you're the future of our program. And um, I think as a coach sometimes I'll, I forget this. And I think as people it's easy for us to forget this sometimes when we – especially for me because I, I bounce back and forth from JV to varsity from a, you know, one game I'm with the JVs. One I'm with the var- one I'm with the varsity because I help out with both. And I have to remind myself sometimes that our varsity guys, for everything they do, great. At one point, there were JV guys who struggle with the same thing our current JV guys struggle with. So I got to check myself on that sometimes. Sometimes I get a little. I I think some. It's not that my expectations are too high. It's just that sometimes I forget that they have to go through the same growing pains our older guys had to go through. So, um. They answered the bell, they responded this week. We gave them some challenges and, you know, I think had a phenomenal pitching performance in the first game by a guy that's really been doing a lot of things right. And a guy that I think me and Coach Allison were talking about it. You know, he he's the type kid that he's got a brother. Um and they're both great kids, but they're two totally different kids. And He's, you know, the older brother's probably the one that's gotten a lot of the accolades, and, you know, he's a he's a people pleaser. Uh, great kid, great teammate. Um, but the younger brother, he's also a great kid, great teammate, but I think he's always been known as this guy's younger brother instead of having an opportunity to pave his own way. And I think because of that, people have been quick to give up on this kid sometimes, and he never gets an opportunity to establish confidence. But... What we saw from him last night is the example is an example of what happens when you give a a kid an opportunity to succeed and and pave his own path so was real proud of that kid i don't know if i can say their names on on a podcast or not because because they're jv kids i'm I'm assuming it's not a big deal but was real proud of him then we had another guy um who's been struggling a guy who's you know a, a kid that we're going to expect a lot out of moving forward and just hadn't been able to put it together yet on the mound. And he was able to go out there and, and and put together a few innings and pitch really well and, and compete and kind of, you know, he looked, he looked like that dude who could play. Uh, so that was good to see him get his confidence back. We had a, I could sit here and talk about those guys all night. Cause they actually did a lot really well last night. Um, guy who started game two, went out there and competed his butt off, gave us a chance. Guy who closed down game one on the mound. He's another guy who's been struggling. Um, guy we've been trying to get right, and he came down and gave us two shutdown innings to to help us win that first game. So awesome job from our JV guys. <clears throat> Next new segment tonight. Okay, um, we're gonna call this uh, mailbag. We'll come up with a different a different name for it, but mailbag is going to be the uh the title i've been getting a ton of good feedback on twitter a lot of messages uh emails stuff just hey could you could you cover this could you talk about this could you talk about that so once a week i'm gonna try to hop on here and cover those things um and just give my take on it you know it's just this is just my opinion it's not right it It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just how I feel about it. So I'm going to talk about those topics, give you some insight into what I think, and, you know, maybe it'll help you formulate your own thoughts around those things or maybe it'll help confirm what you were already thinking. So I've got a – I had five really good ones. I'll try to cover all five, but I'll at least cover a couple of them. So the the first one talks about as a hitter – as a coach, when you got a hitter who has a three O count, you know what's our philosophy there? Like, what's your thoughts on? Is it auto take? Is it a green light for your better hitters? Is it situational uh, and stuff like that? So <clears throat> we got to think about three O, you know, in, in its to- in its in its totality. Okay, not all three O counts are created equal, right? A 3-0 count when you're down by one in the seventh inning with nobody on base is different than a 3-0 count with no outs, tie and run on third base in the seventh inning, right? Two totally different things. Because when you think about it that way, I'd like to get that ball four with nobody on base because it's going to help me generate offense. So in that, in that situation, I'm probably not thinking, hey, let's give him the green light. Even if he's – now, I mean, granted, if he's one of those generational talents that – like there's a kid named P.J. Morlando, maybe the sweetest left-handed swing in, in the state of South Carolina. He's going to be a top-10 draft pick in the MLB draft. Plays at Somerville High School. If I've got P.J. Morlando at the plate and it's 3-0 count, I don't care what the situation is, that dude's swinging the bat, right? Um, but he's a generational talent. Like he doesn't miss. Like at all. And he's got a great eye for the zone. Uh, has good feel for the barrel. Like he, you know, you watch PJ Morlando swing, and if you haven't, go to Twitter and just type in PJ Morlando, sweetest left-handed swing you've ever seen. And uh if I got a guy like that generational talent, yeah, he can swing anytime. But outside of that, it's gonna be more situational for me. So I'm a big believer that sometimes the best pitch you see in that bat is the 3 0 the three-o fastball that everybody you know, grooves right down the pipe. So if I'm in the seventh inning, or really at any point in the game, if I'm if I'm at any point in the game and I got a dude up who can handle the bat well, and I've got a runner at third with less than two outs, I'm a okay with swinging the stick three o. Because, what does success look like in that situation? There's a lot of things that I can do three o with a good hitter. On a, that, on a pitch that I know is going to be a fastball. Uh, and if a guy's got a good enough, is a good enough hitter to lock in on a zone, um, he's going to be looking for the pitch in that zone locked in. If the pitch isn't in that zone, he's going to take, right? If, if I've got a guy who's got a good feel for the zone, good feel for the barrel, and is a smart hitter, then, yeah, I have no problem giving him the green light 3-0 in that situation. If we got nobody on base, uh, he's not a generational talent I'm probably going to take. Um, just kind of my thoughts on it. And there's another point I had. There was another point I wanted to make about that as well. Um, uh, it aggra- this, is, this is a non-negotiable for me, 3-0. Taking that pitch uh, and not being competitive on your take. So, I see a lot of young hitters, especially, like, the younger you get. Coaches, I, I don't – you know, everybody has different thoughts on this. I feel like when we square to blunt 3-0, it's like a, – it's a, just a wasted movement, right? Um, what we end up doing there, we I feel like we end up hurting ourselves versus helping ourselves, like – some people think it's a distraction to do that. Maybe, maybe it is. I mean, you you see this happen all the time. Guy squares the bunt, the pitcher, you know, instead of just throwing it right into the bat, taking the out, um, they start missing high, low, bouncing it, throwing it away, you know. So, I mean, I get that. Um, but I feel like as hitters, instead of doing that, we should be locked in working on yes, 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 no. Yes, 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 no. Yes, I'm swinging. Yes, I'm swinging. No, I'm not. You know, because it's working on getting your foot down, getting some rhythm you're visualizing that just like you were swinging in that way what are you probably going to see three one probably gonna see another fastball you just saw it you were locked in on it. you were planning to swing at it a pitch before you just didn't because you were taken it puts you in a better spot to be able to attack that pitch and be, be aggressive three one so if you're not teaching that especially the youngest levels like start i always say don't take this one off don't take this one off and that's what i mean by that time it up um, lock your eyes in on a zone. I normally like that. Put that zone at the top of lock my eyes in on the top of the zone. That way, that way we're only having to work one direction, and that's down. Uh, and if it's above that zone, we're taken. Uh, and I just think what you'll see there is while you're not swinging 3-0 right there, uh, you are still you're preparing yourself mentally for the next pitch, the 3-1 pitch. And a lot of good things can happen when that happens. So, that's my opinion on that. Uh, generational talent, like PJ Morlando, uh, green light, 3 uh, whenever. If you're a guy who has a good feel for the zone and a good feel for the barrel, uh, there's you know it's it, I have no problem three o letting you swing, especially if there's a runner on third base with us in two outs. Because, again, I still don't need a hit from you right there to be successful. You know, you think about, okay, you got a runner on third, one out, 3-0. You take a pitch, it's a strike. Um, then you walk on the next pitch, and the next guy grounds into a double play. It's like in the inning, don't score the run. Um, I like to stay out of things like that. So, I don't know. And I think it's confidence in your hitters, too. I, I think we've got a lot of confidence in our guys, especially at certain points in our lineup where we'd say, hey, yeah, yeah. If these five or six guys are up in this situation, they're getting the green light. So that's my thoughts on that. Thank you for that question. That was a great question. Like, we talk a lot about two-strike approach and and stuff like that. That's probably something that doesn't get talked about enough, and I think 99% of people are auto-take people on that. So great question. All right, next question I got is – Alright, so over the course of the last eight years, you guys tr- experienced a tremendous amount of success. Talk to us about what y'all did differently. Okay, well, so the first thing I'm going to say is this, regarding that question. Um, I think I think you look at South Florence baseball in its to- totality. We've always been very successful. Um, you look at you know what coach weatherford did and even before that you know when it was Southside, they won like i can't remember how many state championships in a row but it was like three or four um did a lot of good stuff then they the 70s were good to them the 80s were good to them the 90s were phenomenal for south lawrence the 2000s were good there were two years in there and after i think it was like some sometime between 2010 and 2014, there was a couple of years there where I think combined those two years, they won eight South Lawrence, uh, won eight games. And high school baseball sometimes is cyclical like that. Cause a lot of times you're dependent on what's coming up through the rec leagues. And, you know, sometimes just being honest, sometimes you don't have the Jimmies and the Joes. You can be the greatest coach in the world. You can, you know, teach all the great fundamentals you, but at the end of the day, if you have a bunch of guys who they're, Ceiling is C plus. Um, you know, if you got fifteen, twenty guys that are C plus at best, you know it's hard to get them to compete, compete especially when you are playing in five A. Um, and during that time, we were playing in five A. Uh, but I think you know the two thousands during Coach Gray's reigns have been very successful for the Bruins, uh, especially given the quality of the regions and everything like that. Now, with that said, over the course of the last Let's see, Will Hardy and them were 2018. So if you just look at it from that period forward, um, a lot of things changed during that period that I think were important that helped kind of put South in a position where we weren't necessarily rebuilding very often. We were just reloading. Um, so one of the first things that was instrumental was the middle school program that started – think that was around 2016 when that started and um, may have been 2017. Either way, uh, Ben Keen was the first head coach for that. I coached with Ben. Uh, my first coaching job was as his assistant. And having a middle school program, especially the way we ran it at South Lawrence was very, very beneficial because of the fact that those dudes you know, the way we used to do it is it was just a JV and varsity team. And as a seventh or eighth grader, you were either good enough to make JVs or you weren't. And the problem that created is, you know, if you normally didn't have 10 seventh or eighth graders making the JV team, probably two or three. And so you had guys that missed out on two years of development Uh, Two years where the stakes weren't high, where they could just really focus on the fundamentals of the game and kind of learning how to play baseball, you know, your high school program's brand of baseball. And I think for us that's been instrumental because of the fact that, you know, we were able to keep more kids than we normally would have kept and strictly put them through, you know, teaching them how to compete, teaching them how we do the fundamentals, you know, teaching them South Lawrence brand of baseball. And I think that's paid dividends for us because, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you know, like we we had this, my first year coaching, we had Parker Winfield, Jay Cardi, J.R. Williams, Stone Osborne. Okay, and I think those guys, the four of them probably batted 600. Each of them probably batted about 600 on middle school. And some would say, well, you know, that stunted their growth a little bit. Well, I kind of – I 10% agree with that because – you know what ended up happening is in 2020, those guys had the COVID year, and that was their sophomore season where they all would have been playing varsity. And uh, you know we kind of anticipated well the, that's going to be their learning curve year to kind of get get accustomed to the pace of the game and, and all that. And then that you know they'd have a junior and senior year to really compete at full strength. Well, COVID happened in 2020, so that uh, that I guess, you know, get your feet wet year never happened for them. So they got tossed into the fire as juniors playing varsity baseball for the first time. And they were guys that we were expecting to contribute every single day. Right. Um, Whereas, okay, well, maybe if they wouldn't have played their eighth grade year on middle school, they would have played JVs that year. And then who knows what happened? Maybe their freshman year, they would have been, you know, candidates to play varsity baseball. But my point there is outside of that 10% of thinking where I'm like, okay, you know, there's a 10% chance that maybe it's some of their growth, the 90% tells me, the other 90% tells me it absolutely propelled them forward. Um, it allowed them to get down their play every day, um, compete hard, learn all those fundamentals. So by the time they got to high school as freshmen, they knew everything. There was no learning curve. The only thing that was changing was the speed of the game. And um, I think that's paid dividends for us long-term. Now, uh, the next thing, you have to be committed to your strength and conditioning program. All right. Sean Armstrong, Coach Sean Armstrong, he's our strength coach at South Lawrence. And if you're an athletics director, if you're a coach, if you're a superintendent, a principal, whatever, Anybody who has any type of pull uh, to create a job, or if you've got budget authority where you can create a budget, you know, make room in a budget for a strength coach, um, you need one. Okay, something that totally changed for us, uh, and I I can't remember what your coach Armstrong got here. I, I think it was. Uh, let's see. That would have been two thousand and twenty-one. I'm pretty sure it was twenty-one. You know, that changed our program completely. Our guys are bigger, faster, stronger, tougher. There are all these things that they've learned from the weight room. You um, know, I'm gonna actually give you a little football analogy on this too. I knew our football program was was turning the turning the corner uh when I started seeing the participation in that weight room. You know, it used to be, you know, we got this, you know, we got this million dollar weight room. It's nicer than a lot of college weight rooms. Our weight room at South Lawrence is nicer than any college within a 30 mile radius, 50 mile radius up here. Like, hands down. It's top notch. But I remember when Coach Marlowe came here, you know, Coach Marlowe showed up here and there were a lot of people that wanted to see that dude fail it's a fact never been a head coach before first head coaching gigs right at a 4a high school um like i knew that dude was gonna win he's gonna be a winner because that dude was all about good culture discipline um building them up you could tell he cared a lot about his guys the guys cared a lot about him they all were drinking from the same water hose you know but he assembled a great staff around him as well and one of the, the best hire he made um in my opinion, was Sean Armstrong. And it's just a fact that, like, if you want to make your journey a little bit easier, you got to be bigger, faster, stronger than everybody else, okay? But the lessons those kids learn in the weight room, not just as individuals, but the bond it builds as a team, right? Not only are you putting yourself in a better position, as a you know, physical just from a physicality standpoint, you're also just building these unbreakable bonds with each other in those weight room in that weight room. You know, you see these videos, you see the videos of like Lenora Sellers squatting like 500 pounds and stuff like that, and you've got the entire football team in there just like losing their mind, like watching him do it. And I mean, you that, that that stuff's powerful, man. Um, that builds great just unbreakable bonds as a team. Um, but for me, that was, I probably could slide coach Armstrong, you know, you could argue had, had he been there this entire time, I could argue he was the number one most important thing, but I think moving forward, that commitment to the weight room, what coach Armstrong, a person like coach Armstrong, if you can find one of his quality, whatever the cost is, pay him. Like, I don't know what he makes, but whatever it's going to cost to keep him at South Lawrence high school. We need to make that work because he's the best in the business. Said this for a long time, ever since he came in, uh, we've set school record after school record offensively uh, from a extra base hits, home runs, runs scored, uh, all sorts of records. Okay. And it's, you know, it's because we're bigger, faster, stronger. You know all these other things. A, you know, you look at people like Aiden Palmer. Um, look at Aiden before he started with Coach Armstrong. And look at him now. Specimen. You look at somebody like Jake Hardy, uh, the transition he made from his junior year to his senior year in the weight room. Jr. Williams, uh, the transition he made. You look at somebody like Noah Moore, James McElveen. Um, I don't want to leave anybody else. Wyatt Williams. Hunter Matthews. I mean, you look at Hunter Matthews, he was a string bean as a sophomore, been committed to the weight room for two years now. Bigger, faster, stronger. Okay. Look at his neck size, a lot thicker, right? You're not have you're not having to fight. A lot of times, especially in a sport like baseball, these kids are weak in all the wrong areas. And so, on top of like, you know, the weakness causes breakdowns in mechanics because your body doesn't use certain, doesn't have stability in certain areas that allow you to be, you know, to coil and make these moves that you need to make on a baseball field. You know, whereas if you have a great strength coach who understands all those things, who strengthens the body, now you're not fighting that battle. So now you don't have mechanical breakdowns because your body's compensating for weakness in certain areas. So on top of the middle school program, um, the strength and conditioning, the strength, I guess, this, I, I call it strength and conditioning. I'm not sure what Coach Armstrong calls it, but the strength and conditioning program has been, you know, number one B as to why we've been able to have uh, just a lot of success. Um, so Coach Armstrong, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but, I want to have you on here sometime soon because, again, I've told you this. I'll tell everybody, scream it from the mountaintops. You're the best in the business. There's nobody better. And you're a humble guy, so you'll say, well, yeah, there's probably like 100 people better than him. But there's not. I'm just telling you. I see what he does. I see what he's done for our kids. I see what he's done for, you know, every program at our school. We're all better today because of Coach Sean Armstrong, period. End of story. Um, all right, next thing. I think I go back to people like Will Hardy, Austin Moore, that time frame. Really, it started before them, like Austin Blakely, you know, people like that. You know, we, we've had good athletes uh, at South Florence, and – I think somewhere along the way, like, you start having some individuals that are really good that that experience success, and it motivates some younger guys to try to follow in their footsteps and and create their own story. And then that's how you end up with guys like Will Hardy and Austin Moore who, you know, were career players uh, at South Lawrence. You look in the record books now, you know, those are two guys in the top. You know, one of them's our all-time hits leader. You know, both of them are – all over the offensive record book, Um, you know, that motivates the next group of guys like your Josh Collins and and, and people like that, which, you know, motivates your next group of guys, next group of guys. And, like, pretty soon you end up with, like, this program that's just full of dudes that are bought in on what I like to call blue-collar blue-collar mentality, there's nothing about our baseball program that people look at and say, wow, they got great facilities. Wow, they got, you know, great this. Wow, you know, they got nine Division I guys. Like, nobody looks at our program at South Lawrence and says that. But what people do look at and say is, like, wow, those dudes are scrappy. They're blue-collar. Like, they play the game the right way. Like you can tell everybody within our programs drinking from the same water hose. And uh that's probably, you know, you start talking about culture and you know, what builds championship cultures or you know, what championships are built of. And it's it sounds cliche, but it's it's great culture. It's a great culture. And I think our culture at South Lawrence is phenomenal. Um, yeah, we don't have any state championships yet. Uh I don't know when we're going to have a state championship. I hope it's the end of May 2023, but, you know, we all know, you know, if it was – if the best team in in classification won the state championship every year, A.C. Flora would have, like, you know, 25 state championships. Andy Hallett wouldn't have – you know, having seven state championships is unbelievable, right? But it just goes to show that, the be, you know, a, a lot has to go right those ten games in May uh, to be standing at the end. And – yeah, you, know, you gotta play your best ba- best baseball that that time of year. You gotta have some things go your way. Um, but that's why it, it aggravates me when I hear people well, y'all ain't won no state championship yet. Like the first clue that you don't know anything about high school baseball is when you are basing, you know, who's a great coach and who's not off of who won state championships and who didn't. Hey, are state championships nice? Yeah, they are. But I think anybody who's won a state championship will tell you how hard it is to win one in, in high school baseball, not discounting any other sport. I'm just saying high school, high school baseball, especially, you know, you don't get to go out there and run your best guy out there every single night, you know, just the way it works. Um, so anyways, so the great culture, I feel like we've built just with the players, the coaches, um, everybody's drinking from the same water hose. I feel like we're in a good spot there. So, those are three things for me that I think have been really important. Uh, and the final thing is, and I give kudos to Coach Kenny Gray for this because, you know, he's not one of those coaches who's dead set and locked in on his, his way or the highway. Um, I think one thing that he's always done is he's been open to allowing his assistant coaches to have input on areas that he feels like, okay, You know, do you think we could – do we need to do things differently? What do you all think about this? Like, hey, let me get your thoughts about that. Like, you know, what do you think about – you know, do you have any – do you have any thoughts about how we can be better in these areas? And he gives us that freedom to change different aspects of the game. And he's not stuck on his ways in a way that hinders our growth. You, know, you meet a lot of people who've been coaching a long time and they don't have the ability to change. And I think for him, what he does by allowing us that freedom to to do things like implement changes to base running or, you know, like he has taken over exclusively our pitch callings this year. You know, and and he works with our pitchers every day and, you know, it's It's been really good for our development. That's something he hasn't done in a while. Um, but he wanted to make sure our guys were getting work every day. And so that's, that's become his thing. And he consults with Coach Brown about it. Um, you know, if Coach Brown could be there every day, he would do it every day. You know what I'm saying? But he's, you know, me and him don't have the luxury of being – uh working you know we coach brown definitely can't get off at four o'clock and get out there and work with the pitchers every day but um if he could he would but you know so coach gray recognized that and said hey you know what like i'll take the things i've learned from brian i'll take some things that you know i believe about pitching and i'm going to start working with my pitchers every day And he's taking ownership of that like something he hadn't done in a while that's been huge for us you know he allowed me to kind of take over the outfield and the base running thing and throw my ideas around that. And then, you know, our other coaches, they've bought in on it. Then, you know, Coach Rhodes has taken over a lot of the hitting responsibilities as far as, you know, coming up with the, the hitting practice plan every day and the things we need to kind of focus on and work on. And and that's been beneficial. You know, Coach Allison, Coach Scott, you know, they contribute a tremendous portion. And then, you know, Coach Timo, he's been a great addition to our coaching staff. You know, the things he's brought to the game as far as mental toughness and, you know, the way he warms our guys up and cools them down, uh, gets their mu- muscles going. Um, it's been phenomenal. But a guy who was really hung up on him and his ideas and, you know, my way of the highway would have never allowed all that stuff to to take place. So the final thing I felt feel that's helped us get to where we're at is just that, um, you know, having a head coach who, is always trying to grow and and look for ways to be better versus saying, hey, you know, I'm good with where we're at. So kudos to Coach Gray for that. So those are the four things I think that have really helped propel us to, to the success we've had over the course of the last few years, especially the last five or six years. I mean, I think in the last five years, yeah, last five years we've won 100 games. That's, that's important. It's a big deal. So, all right, that's that. Um. All right. Let me look and see what the other question was. Okay. And I since this is going kind of long, I'm gonna make this the last question. All right. So this dad said, "My kid's in a slump. How do you keep keep his emotions in check and checking his confidence up?" All right. That's a really good question. So, base <laughs> number one, acknowledging the fact that hitting a baseball is the toughest act to do in sports okay it just is you got a guy throwing doesn't matter what the velocity is ball's moving with pace moving on a downward downward angle sometimes it's breaking sometimes it's moving in on your hand sometimes it's moving away from you sometimes it's rising uh it's tough to do okay that's there's a reason why the best dudes in this game uh go through you know get in the hall of hall of fame and fail seven out of ten times, right? So I'm going to steal a page out of Coach Steve Springer's book. Um, he talks about the fact that, and we've talked about some in the past about the opening day mindset, what, are, you know, as a hitter, like you have to have the right guy showing up at the ballpark to play every day. Um I was talking to one of our players today about, like, you can't let your perception of bad at bats stack on top of each other, you know. All these kids, all they worry about now, and it's it's a lot of it has to do with their parents, okay, and this obsession they have with game changer and stats that like honestly most people don't even like people in the coaching community and and I could be in the minority on this, but there's a couple things I check from a statistical standpoint, but I'm not living and dying in the batting average column. Because batting average is very you know, it doesn't necessarily tell the story that you need to know, right? Because all four for fours and O for fours are not created equal. So we got these kids who their parents are beating them down and whatever because they went O for three, but they lined out to the shortstop three times. That kid's going home and having to listen to Johnny Testosterone Dad who – never amounted to anything in his life athletically. Bless him out because he went 0 for 3, yet the reality is he actually had three really quality at best. It just didn't go his way. Uh, in the hit column, we had a dude last night um, in the JV game. Hits a missile, just absolute missile in left center field gap. Okay, center fielder makes a phenomenal play on it. All right, he's running down the baseline saying – man, screw this. I'm done with this game. Yeah. So I get back to Doug. I'm like, dude, what are are you doing? What'd you say? He's like, I said, I'm done with this game, man. I'm done with this game, coach. And I was like, dude, you're kidding me right now, right? You just hit the, you just literally hit it in the screws. Guy makes a play and you're wanting to quit the game because you didn't get a hit. I guess the way this game works, like, you can't control where the defense is playing, right? Steve Springer says you can control, I think it's like four things, but the two things he says that I really, really agree with a lot. You can control your level of confidence when you step into the box, all right? And you can have, you can control having having an obtainable goal of hitting the baseball hard somewhere, and the third one is help, trying to help your team win the game on this pitch. Those are the three things he says, and that's really all we can control. The hits, they're just a bonus, right? I can go out there and line out to the shortstop three times if I hit it three feet to his left or three feet to his right. I go three for three that game instead of zero for three. But baseball says you suck in those moments because your batting average is zero in those moments. That's it's not right. Um, I mean, it's the game that we play, but as a baseball player, we have to we have to really fight against getting into those dark moments because you know zero for four. An 0 for 4 night doesn't necessarily mean that you had four really bad at bats. You know, we got a kid on our varsity team right now who he's kind of beating himself up a little bit because the hits aren't falling. But when you think about his at bats, the last—I mean, he had a couple bad at bats today, okay, or non-productive at bats today by his standard. But the night before, he lines out, okay, draws like a seven-pitch walk, and I—I think he popped up or something like that in a key situation. But by all accounts, he went two for three from a quality at bat standpoint. And he's batting in a point in the lineup where we don't need him to have, you know, we don't need him to go four for four. Right. But in this kid's mind, his perception is, well, I suck because I went O for whatever and I'm O for what, whatever my last X amount of at bats are. And, you know, it starts stacking on them. And, um, the problem is like, kids like that, they end up missing the opportunities of what's in front of them uh, in the current at bat, right? You step to the plate and you're thinking, well, I'm over my last seven. Well, when you step to the plate, the bases are loaded with one out right now, okay? So you get the opportunity to be the hero in this moment. But you can't be the hero if you're thinking about the last seven at bats, and you're scared about this eighth at bat tacking onto that and being, you know, oh, well, if I screw up, I'm gonna be oh for eight. You, know, you can't, you can't take that approach to the plate. Got to have a lot of confidence. The only thing you control, you can control, is confidence and trying to hit the ball hard somewhere, and that should be your game plan every time. And then, of course, understand the situation too. So, you know, if if I've got a runner on third base with less than two outs. With an infield playing back, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't I be okay with me rolling one over to the shortstop there and getting an RBI, right? What can I do in this moment to help my team win the game? Like, I can't strike out. I can't pop up on the infield. Sack flies good. Base hits good. Walks good. Uh, hit by a pitch is good. Ground ball up the middle is good. Yeah, there's a lot of things I can do well there. But if I'm only measuring my success on whether or not I get a hit in that at bat, I'm probably gonna be disappointed more than I'm gonna be excited and happy. So that's all you can do. Eliminate slump from their vocabulary. As a parent, you should never be talking about a slump to your player, to your kid. We don't talk about slumps to to our kids when we're coaching them. Hey man, you're in a slump. I don't talk about that. Because your next at bat's a new opportunity for you to be a hero. But you can't go be a hero if you're not in the right mindset, if you're still thinking about the last 10 at-bats and that didn't go your way. So that's just my two cents on that. Um, you know, I say team chemistry is killed on the ride home and at the dinner table. Players' confidence killed on the ride home and at the dinner table too. I think as parents we get ourselves – and listen, I'm speaking from experience. So, like, I'm not sitting here scolding parents. Like, I'm straight up speaking to you as as a parent who's done the same thing. I ran my kid out of the game. I'm ashamed of it. I'm ashamed of it. I ask myself all the time, like, is my is, is the way that I act, acted back then, has it stunted my kid's ability to be successful uh, in other areas of life? You know, did it kill his confidence to, to uh, you know, have the courage sometimes to go out there and compete on the golf course? Those are real-life questions I have to live with every day because I don't know the answer to it. I know how I made him feel when he went over for 4, though, when he was 10 years old. It's embarrassing looking back at it now, right? Don't do that. It's not worth it. Focus on the things they do well. Coach them up on the area. Like When you see opportunities for them to be coached up on something, do it. If you don't know what those areas are, find them a good coach. If you don't know what those areas are, do your own research. If you type quality at bats in on Google, you'll see a list of of about eight things. Learn what those eight things are. And when your kid does it, celebrate it. Your only job as a parent during a game is to clap your hands and say, great job. Go team. Right? Go get them. Great play. Great at bat. Great job. Great hustle. Kid has a shitty at bat, but busts his ass down the line. Great hustle. I don't, I never tell a kid when he comes down the line after, you know, rolling one over and, hey, man, you know, terrible contest. Hey, give him next time. Great hustle. That way to get out the box. Now, you pop up on the infield and you jog down to first base. I'm going to be letting you hear it when you get there. But that's a little bit different story because I wasn't really worried about the outcome of the hit of the at-bat, I was more disappointed with the effort. So, you know, those are the things that we can do, you know. For the parent that said that, I'm not I'm not harshing on you, but, you know, eliminate slump from your vocabulary. Never talk about a slump with your kid because it's not all slumps are created equal. Again, you can go 0 for 10 and 7 of those 10 at-bats could be really quality at-bats, and we're over here upset because, you know, Game Changer has me batting 0 versus – you know, whatever. I mean, we got a kid on our JV team right now. He's an older kid. He's a great kid. You know, he was in a situation last night in the uh, in the first game. And, uh, you know, you could tell he was pressing because he's batting like literally like .06 on the season. Got okay? things like one for 18, whatever that comes out to. Okay? Now, those 17 outs he's made, they all haven't been bad. Okay? But – he got down to first base after getting on base and I was like, dude, what are you pressing for, man? Like, he's like, Man, i like like having coach, I'm like having PTSD of all the times I've been up uh in a key situation in my in the last year and ended the game as the last out. And I thought I was gonna do that again there. It's like, what? You've got a kid who he's got the tying run on third base in the last inning. And he's in the batter's box, worried about all the other times that, in his own mind, he failed. We cannot. You you do not want your kid standing up there at the plate trying to play this game in that mindset. They can't do it. Like we have to promote this idea that like the outcome's going to be the outcome. Was the mindset good? Was the preparation good? If those if you've checked those boxes, then the. I'm good with the outcome that I swing at a good pitch. I did. Okay. Did I give great effort out of the box? I did. Okay. I could care less about everything else. Um, so that's just another to this parent. That's another little shout out there. Like, you know, don't be so outcome driven or process oriented. Cause if the process is right, the outcome's going to take care of itself more times than not. Um, that was kind of what I was telling this kid last night after he got on first base. I was like, "Dude, like we had a like pitching change right after." That. I'm like, "Dude, you can't compete in that headspace, man. Quit worrying about the outcome. Be locked in on your process. If your process is tight, your effort's good. You're gonna be on the winning end more than you're on the losing end." And um, yeah, I hope that resonates with him because he's a great kid. I love coaching him. Um, he's under a lot of pressure right now. I know he is. He can feel it because he you knows what this year means for him. Um, And, you know, he's got potential to be really good. I think sometimes he worries about looking cool instead of focusing on the things that are going to help him be a better player. But that's just part of being a kid. I'm real proud of him. Um, But it was just interesting to hear him say that. And, like, but as a coach, it gives you something to say, hey, like, okay, knowing that, we can help you with that. Uh, So – this kid's listening, that this he knows we've already talked about this, but not calling you out, dude. It's just I think it's important to tell stories like that because somebody else is probably going through the same thing, right? And this game's hard enough the way it is. We can't and, and the kid on the older kid on our, our varsity team, same thing goes for him. Like, you know, the game's hard enough the way it is. We can't overcomplicate it by adding extra you know, extra weights, extra chains, you know, to our to our process. Um, everything we do, it can't be about the last 18 at-bats or the last 15 at-bats or the last five at-bats or whatever. It's got to be about this pitch, this moment right here and being the best you can be in this moment. Because at the end of the day, I think Coach Rhodes said this on the uh, podcast the other night, at the end of the day, like, if you strike out your first at-bat and hit the home run the second at-bat, guess what? The strikeout's still there, Right but it didn't impact your ability to hit the home run in the second at bat. Just like you hit a home run second at bat, that's going to have no impact on what you do in your third at bat. Um, So we just, as young players, as parents, and there's probably some coaches that suck at this as well, we got to get back to making sure we find a way to take those chains off our players and our kids, right? Let them compete in a really good mindset. Those are are some of the – I guess, strategies we can do to, to help them get there. So anyways, all right. I don't have time to answer the rest of the mailbag questions. So we're going to save those for, uh, for next week. Want to give a shout out to everybody who's been listening, following, liking, sharing, uh, sending me feedback, send me questions. I appreciate all y'all do, man. Um, y'all have kept me going on this thing. I, I enjoy doing it. It's therapeutic. You know, I don't know that it always makes sense or, you know, touches on anything and, you know, if I offended somebody earlier or what I said, I'm not sorry. I just felt like that's something I need to say. Um, but anyways, if uh, there's something I'm not touching on that you want to hit, send me a message on Twitter. We'll we'll mailbag it. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, and the number one thing you can do to help the show is to share it with a friend. So um, that's all I got for today. I will be back sometime in the next few days to record something different. I don't know what the topic will be, but we'll find something good. And um, until then, Thank you for everything, guys. Uh, Be cool. Go Bruins. See ya.